Welcome to the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And today I want to take a few moments just to go through some recent meditations on uh, Psalm 23. So the last few weeks, I've just taken time to kind of look at Psalm 23. What's it saying? Um, what's God revealing? And honestly, there's been some really fresh things that have increased my understanding of a God who wants to comfort us and bring uh, wholeness to our perspective and our experience. And I want to take maybe one episode, maybe two, depending on how long this goes, to just unpack some of those thoughts. But I want to begin with, again, a story that I've shared before on the podcast, and I want to share again uh, to kind of frame these thoughts, I guess. So, um, end of 2014, we had been back in Texas for probably nine months. And towards the end of the year, I just started experiencing really challenging negative emotions. Um, things that on a scale of one to 10 should have been a one or a two were like a six, seven or eight. Um, and I just, I just remember thinking, this is, this is disproportionate to what just happened. Why am I feeling this? And it was about a six-week period of just processing that with God, asking the question, what's going on? Why do I feel this? Why do I feel angry and sad and disappointed and grieved? And all those negative emotions. And I remember probably in mid-December, this is 2014, I was standing in my house and just this thought came to my mind, uh, grief and pain are not the evidence of sin because I feel grief and I feel pain and I don't sin. And for whatever reason, it so struck me that it just kind of popped me out of all the intensity of the emotions. And within a few days, I can remember sitting uh, in my living room with my wife and just honestly processing some stuff from our time in Portland that um, had been challenging. Um, Conversations, experiences, internal dialogues that I had never opened up about, not because I was trying to hide something. I just didn't think there was anything there. I wasn't aware. And Uh, You know, in the moments when these things happen, I did the thing I knew to do, which was to forgive people, to bless people, and to try to move on. But what I never did was acknowledge that it hurt or acknowledge what was going on internally related to that circumstance or experience. And so that's what I was doing in my living room in Texas with Rochelle is just going through when this was said, I felt stupid, or when this happened, I felt scared or overwhelmed or, or whatever it was. And I just remember it was like an hour and a half conversation and it felt like 10 minutes, you know, one of those. And I just remember at the end, I just felt so unburdened and light and free. And I thought, wow, I didn't realize I needed that. Well, fast forward another week or so later, and I'm reading uh, in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter four. And uh, it says in verse... 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to all kinds of sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. When I read that, the first word that like 
jumped off the page to me was the word sensitivity. Having lost all sensitivity, they gave themselves to all kinds of sensuality. And I looked up that word, and the word sensitivity means the ability to feel grief and pain. And in that moment, what became clear is what God was saying is, Justin, feeling grief and pain is actually a sign that you're healthy, not a sign that you're broken. And that totally reframed negative emotions, negative feelings, uh, even negative experiences, honestly, uh, for me in the, in the sense that it wasn't something to avoid, but it was something to discover what God was doing in them. Um, not necessarily that he's causing them, but he will meet me in those pains and experiences. And he actually experiences them with me. The fact that I feel pain is me participating in what God is feeling over my experience. And that was a powerful moment. Um, And it really started a journey, I would say probably then for the last 18 months, but it's really been clarified in the last month, of learning how to let God be my comforter. And that sounds maybe weird or soft or whatever, but what I've learned is human beings need comfort. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the comforter. We do. We. It's when we don't get comfort from a legitimate source like God himself that ultimately we will go and find something to soothe our pain and it typically will end in a, in a behavior that's destructive. And so that's what the passage in Ephesians 4 is actually getting at, having lost all sensitivity. Like we become hardened because we're so, we've stopped feeling. Then the desire for comfort comes and we, we reach out in sensuality because through our senses we want to feel again. And often it can be through a destructive avenue. So letting, learning to let God comfort us is a key idea um, in staying refreshed and staying envisioned and staying whole and staying engaged in life and in relationships and in the, the purpose of, that God has um, in and through your life um, that he, he had when he dreamed you into the world. So, so as I share that, that, that creates a framework for why Psalm 23 has been so powerful. And we, we've all known Psalm 23. I'm not necessarily going to read it. You can read it verse by verse. It's only six verses. But what I caught in this is, number one, um, David knew what it was like to let God comfort him, to let God be his shepherd to let God lead, guide, and direct him, to let God um, create the environment for green pasture that he could lie down in, to be led beside quiet waters, to know how to have his soul restored over and over and over and over again. And I think it was that, it, it what comfort does is it creates this sense of intimacy with God, and ultimately that can roll out into your uh, your other peer relationships, that you can be a a place of comfort for people, um, that creates a deep sense of connection. It helps you realize how connected you are with God himself. And so 
So what I want to do is just kind of weave my way through Psalm 23, and I'm just going to go verse by verse and just share some thoughts uh, that I think will be encouraging and helpful. And then at the end, uh, if we have enough time, it'll be this episode. If not, it'll be in another one. Um, I'll just share a little process that is not a formula. Uh, In fact, I want to give you freedom to create your own process, but it's just something that's beginning to emerge in my own walk with God that is helping me not go down the rabbit holes of um, overanalyzing things, getting offended, those kind of things. And and to be honest, that's been some of my journey the last 18 months is learning in a new way how to not pick up offense, either when something gets said or done or perceived or whatever. And it's been stretching at times but i can honestly say in the last month and some of it's been this psalm 23 stuff and and comfort that it has been so impacting um that i find myself living in greater awareness of the god uh his presence experience felt presence and it's just like um it's salve to your soul it's it's that um That it's like WD forty, you know, on a on a squeaky joint. It just soothes things, and you don't feel like you're just grinding, uh, but you feel like you can respond uh, in a healthy way. And so, so here we go, Psalm twenty three. Okay, so I want to start with um, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not be in want. Number one, that doesn't mean you don't want things. It means there's no lack in your life. When God is your shepherd, a shepherd's role is to care for his sheep, to to meet the needs that the sheep have so that they don't have want. They don't live in lack. And then he starts unpacking that by saying, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, this is fascinating. So I read this. I think it's a shepherd's look at the 23rd Psalm by a guy named Philip Keller. Uh, Philip Keller was definitely the guy that I was looking at when I read through this, and I think he wrote that book. But he said, he said, um, it, there's four things that a sheep need to be able to lie down and rest in a green pasture. And the reason there's four things a sheep needs is because sheep are very anxious animals. Therefore, a shepherd isn't going to tell the sheep they need to meet their own needs. A shepherd is going to create the environment by meeting the needs of the sheep so that the sheep can lie down and ultimately restore restore their souls so to speak uh, as a metaphor so here are the four things that a sheep needs to lie down number one they have to be free of all fear number two they have to be free of all infighting between themselves and other sheep number three they have to be free of all torment from flies and parasites So flies will hover around the face and head of a sheep, and that is tormenting to them. And number four, 
They need to be free of all hunger. So I read that and I thought, oh my gosh, how much of a parallel is that to humanity and to human beings? And then I started thinking, okay, what are the needs? What are the needs that the shepherd is meeting? By meeting these needs. So free of all fear. What's the need the shepherd's meeting? And I would say, biblically, um, love. And think about it as people. We need to know that we're loved. We need to know that we're accepted. We need to know that someone cares about us and that ultimately we can trust and rely on them. Because perfect love drives out fear. So we got to know that we're loved. Number two, the need for free freedom from all infighting. We've got to have wholeness in our relationships where we feel peaceful, at rest, and secure in the friendships, family relationships, work relationships, whatever other relationship you can think of that we have. There's got to be that place where there's security in those relationships for us to really be at peace in life. Number three, freedom from all torment of flies and parasites. What I see with that is peace of mind, that our mind would be at rest, that we're not constantly trying to figure things out so that we can be peaceful. We're not battling thoughts all the time of anxiety, but but that we're really, we have a peace of mind when we engage life. And then the fourth thing, free from hunger, that we are free or that we, that God wants to be our provider, that he offers the need of provision. And that's financially um, just the basic needs of life. Here's the, here's the thing that's so comforting is God wants to be the author of all four of these. He's not asking you to be the author of all four of these. Now, for sure, there may be practical things we do, but ultimately the point is for us to learn how to meditate and contemplate on these four areas of the love of God, of the wisdom of God, of how to deal with other people and relationships and getting God's wisdom. You know, it may be, hey, you need to let that thing go. Or, hey, what's the lie that that interaction with that person is touching that's causing you discomfort? Could I have that lie and could I replace it with truth? Or maybe he gives you wisdom for having a conversation with that person so that there's some resolution on, hey, when you said this, it was hurtful. Could we talk about it? And working that through relationally. So so we've got to have him as our source of wisdom and how to deal with the relationships we've got peace of mind. Um, God wants to so fill our experience with his confidence and his goodness and his faithfulness and our trust and reliance and dependence upon him that when thoughts that could lead to anxiety come, we feel like we have strength to, to recognize that's not from God, that's not from us, and we don't need to play around in our mind with that thought. We can just let it go and ultimately trust him with the outcome that that thought is trying to Um, cause us to to figure out. And then the fourth thing, that God wants to meet our needs, either through a job, 
um, or someone giving to you or you start a business or maybe there's other, other, other sources of financial provision that God can bring. But ultimately, he wants to be your source of provision and he's not asking you to wear that and put that on your shoulders. He's saying, I will be the one that shoulders that and then I'll give you steps of wisdom for you to walk out that will be infused with joy and desire so you actually get refreshed by the doing and not worn out by the doing. Which is a powerful, a powerful thought. So what that looks like is ultimately we're not our own savior. What I realized is when I step into the role of this is up to me to meet these needs, that I try to become my own savior and ultimately it doesn't work. And Jesus is saying, I want to continue to be your savior. I want to be your provider. I want to be your healer. I want to be your restorer. I want to be your protector. He wants to be our all in all, and that's where we come to a place of ultimately we can lie down. It's not God forcing us to lie down. It's God creating the the environment where we can joyfully and out of a place of desire lie down. And here's what happens when we lie down in green pastures, when we let him lead us beside quiet waters, the outcome of those Um, places of trust in God is the restoration of our soul and our souls, our emotions, our, our mind, our energy gets renewed and rejuvenated and we overflow again with excitement and joy about the life that God has for us, the relationships he's given to us, the purpose that he has that doesn't wear us out, but 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 energizes us. That's where we get the restoration of soul. And here's what's fascinating. The next phrase is, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, there's a translation of the Bible called the Passion Translation. And in the Passion Translation, it gives indication that this phrase indicates that, that sheep were led up these um, these upwardly sloping kind of round, uh, round um, tracks, so to speak, that would take them higher and higher. Um, in elevation as they're going to the tops of whether it's a hill or a mountain or whatever um, being being led guided in paths of righteousness it feels at times like we're going in circles we're going around and around in the same truth but as we let God restore our souls what happens is at the the peak of that and this is me taking some divine imagination here, what I see is what happens at the peak of that is our vision gets restored as a byproduct of our soul being restored, which is ultimately the outcome of allowing God to meet our needs so that our souls can rest in Him. Do you want to know how to renew your vision and restore your vision and your sight for the future? Let God meet the basic needs that are lined out in what we just went through in Psalm 23. And your soul will be restored. And the the outcome of that is your vision is restored. And you have this renewed sense of passion for life in God. And and ultimately, um, with every mountaintop, there's a valley that you go down. So there's going to be ups and downs circumstantially in life but i think the real power of this metaphor in psalm 23 is god creates this internal world in us that even when we go through the ups and downs that our internal world is not necessarily turned upside down 
Because I, I love this thought. Trials ultimately reveal the places that we haven't yet trusted God. That's the beauty of a trial. That's the joy of a trial is God is saying, could I have that thing that you are taking responsibility for that ultimately I want to be God in for you? I want to be your savior in that. Again, we're not saying there's not going to be practical things that you'll do when you face circumstances, but but all of those practicals flow out of our being and our union with God and getting wisdom from him by his spirit, through his word, through his people. Um, there's several avenues that we, we experience that wisdom, but ultimately the source of it is the same, God himself. And so trials either do one of two things. They reveal what God did on the mountain or they expose the next place of your upgrade of what your next mountain is going to all be about and the the journey and the process that God will take you through to develop you as you go up and up and up that mountain again as from a place of a restored soul where you come to the top and you see clearly again and you've been upgraded again in the ways and purposes of God it's good news okay verse 4 Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Okay, number one, it's the valley of the shadow of death. It's not death itself. In other words, there are things, circumstances, interactions with people, looming future implications that oftentimes intimidate or threaten us But the truth is, they're not real. It's the shadow of death. And the shadow is trying to influence and impact us in a way to cause us to start making decisions that will lead us to harm. And God is trying to remind us through this scripture, number one, that he's with us in the midst of that valley. And the other thing is Ultimately, when we realize, Romans chapter 6, that we have participated in his death and we are now participating in his resurrection life, then the shadow of death no longer has hold on us. It does not threaten. It does not intimidate because we've already died to everything that would govern fear. And we've been resurrected in a newness of life. Now, I admit that there is a journey of experientially walking that out. But there is an anchor point of truth that's revealed in the New Testament, Romans 6, Colossians 2, Galatians 5, and others, that reveal that we have already died a death to this world and to sin itself in the death of Jesus. And therefore, we have been included and now we are living in his resurrection life to where when we face something and something springs up in us that is afraid or intimidated by the valley of the shadow of death, we can root ourselves or we can remind ourselves that we are rooted in him and he's already dealt with that fear. And he can then bring into our experience the confidence that comes with that, that we can face anything that stands in our way and know that ultimately he will guide us up out of it. Here's the other fascinating thing. Valleys are the places that have the lowest grade up the mountain. In other words, it's the gentlest incline up the mountain. And it has 
the freshest water sources for the journey. So the valley of the shadow of death is actually strategic to keep you in a place of peace with the shepherd and to keep you restored along the way. And ultimately, as we trust him, we know that shepherds' jobs are to ward off enemies that would try to, quote unquote, get us when they're on the mountains and we're in the valleys. The shepherd's job is to protect us in the midst of that valley. That is good news. Okay, I'm going to end our time for this episode right now. We'll pick up with you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, which is some more good news. But I want to just pray for us as I close out um, this episode. So Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that you are the great shepherd that leads, guides, and directs us, that it's your job to love us, to provide for us, to bring peace to our hearts and minds, and to give us wisdom and how to navigate relationships, that we can have whole relationships. I thank you that from those places of needs being met, God, our souls are restored, our, our minds are renewed, our emotions are refreshed, Our energy is restored and we have vision, passion, and direction for life in the kingdom of God. I thank you that you renew our vision. I thank you that you're with us in the valley. I thank you that you protect us, you guide us, you lead us to these watering holes that restore us even along the slightest grade of incline so that we can return again to the peaks of the places of inspiration and revelation that you give that we might have clarity in walking this out in our day-to-day life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes, and iTunes will suggest this podcast to others. Thanks, everyone, and take care.